Hello, everybody, and welcome on into a pond further review episode four hundred and fifty-two. Is that correct? I think it's four hundred and fifty-three and a half. I'm Evan Grant. He's looking at me again, so I'm Barry Horn, and I'm Kevin Sherrington. And we are fortunate to have Kevin here today, Barry. Why? Well, apparently he had some sinus issues last <laughs> night and may have overmedicated. And then it's now it's possible. He tells me that the transformer in his back in his alley blew up. Can but I'm be, wondering if that's a hallucination. I think it might have been hallucinating. No, no, no. There were there were fired engines out there and everything. It was a lot of excitement at two o'clock in the morning. Let me of, ask you this. In your mind, did the Texas Rangers win the American League West? I believe they did. It seems it's fuzzy to me, but it seems possible that they may have done that. Well, that you know what? That's not a hallucination. It's unbelievable. We are. This is our first episode of all the episodes we've done. The 815 that we've done before. Yes. This is the first that we're doing when we're talking about. This is our first playoff preview special. How about that? And it didn't take very long. I, I, I might add, we haven't been doing this very long, so maybe we are good luck. Maybe this is we're the good luck charm. Yeah, I'm sure that's it's what not all thinking. about you, Barry. No, not we. <laughs> I, I was looking at you when I said that. Evan. Oh yeah, because I've been good luck for this franchise for you so have. many years. That's no, right. they've had a pretty good run in the last couple of years. All right. Well, we are going to have a very special guest today. Um, Who's that, Evan? Uh, the man that we will have on the air. Don't call him by his nickname. Don't do it. Is Jeff Bannister. Okay. Don't. The, the, he's the manager of the Texas Rangers. Yes, he is. He's also from your neck of the woods originally. So don't talk to him about Houston Lamarck. and Lamarck. He's from Lamarck. And I'm Pasadena. And don't get into all that crap, okay? No, I won't do that. Hey, listen, let me ask you something. Now that they have won the AL West, has this, has this manager won manager of the year in the American League? I... I you know, for me, I thought he had put himself in position to win manager of the year well before any of that because he kept this club in position to to make a run. And with and I want to get into this with Jeff. Some of the moves that he made during the course of the year, the you know, changing out your leadoff hitter and your center fielder, changing your closer, going into the season without your number one, and then a week later without your number two. Putting a guy in left field that nobody thinks can play left field. But we should, we should hurry up and get to Jeff because he's standing here and he's not looking happy. He never looks happy when I'm in the office. All right. We're now joined by a special guest today, and it's not Barry Horn or Kevin Sherrington. It is Rangers manager Jeff Bannister. Jeff, thanks for joining us here in the nursery. <laughs> well, thanks for having me in the nursery. I, I think it's the first time I've been back here. It's, uh, I didn't even know we had a nursery back here. Well, I thought it was appropriate since uh, I tend to pout in your office very, very often. So it seems like a good place for me to take a time out. Well, that's all right. It's, but thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, as you get ready for this first playoff series, and I think that the three of us sitting here would never say that we could envision that this scenario was going to play out, but but you did. And, and why? why? Why did you feel like you'd be sitting here – well, not in the nursery, <laughs> but why did you feel like you'd be sitting here getting ready to play game one? Well, it, it starts with the core group of players that were here. Um, when I looked at the roster of players that, that did not play last year for the Texas Rangers or missed significant time, they're all-star players. They, they are they're dynamic major league players. And also looked at that Derek Holland was going to be back. You uh, Darvish back in the mix. Um, it had all the makings of a really good quality baseball team. And that was prior to ever going to, 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 to spring training. And then 
through my conversations with with John Daniels and the front office group, I, I knew that there was a, a a passion for winning. There was, and they were they would do anything that they felt that was necessary to to help a ball club win. And and so, uh, and they were they were unafraid uh, to step out of their box, to be uncomfortable, to be challenged, uh, and wanted to de- develop a, a partnership with. Uh, a manager and a, and a group of coaches on the field, uh, which I think is necessary. So all of those ingredients were there. And then when I got to spring training and 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 started watching and listening to the the players and and the things that they were saying, they didn't last year hurt them terribly. They were disappointed, um, and they just felt like it was uh, not them. And so. Uh, their message to me on wanting to return to the playoffs and not just return to the playoffs, but have an opportunity to uh, play for a World Series was that each one of them talked about that very loudly <laughs> and passionately. So the second part of the ingredient, you you got to have the desire and you've got to be able to talk about it. There are there are a lot of teams out there. There's they're so afraid to even mention it or even talk about what they're going to do prior to the to a season. And I, I believe that uh, if you can't talk about about it, you never you never have an opportunity to achieve it. And so, uh, and as as these guys start playing in spring training, and and I, I watch their enthusiasm and energy level, I just, uh, I just you know what, this is a ball club that can. It's not a ball club that can't. And and I love the fact that everybody uh, said we, we, we couldn't and we weren't going to because that even, that even fueled these guys even more. When you, uh, on, over the course of this season, you've made several moves that were a little thinking outside the box, uh, you could say. And starting with your center fielder, uh, that, that's a real five pick. He ends up being your leadoff man and your center fielder. Uh, and all the way to Mike Napoli playing in left field. Uh, when you were coming up in the pirate system, when you're watching games, are you thinking, man, if I, if I'm doing this, I want to take a chance here. I want to, if if I don't see, if I don't see things going right in the conventional sense, I want to try something a little different to make this happen. Or or is this just something that kind of grew out of, of you becoming a first time manager? Well, no, I, I, I think about this as going all the way back to uh, being a minor league manager and, and really, there are certain instances that that you don't have a complete roster. You have guys they don't they don't just ship guys in and out in the minor leagues to give you extra players when when you have players go down and sometimes they just take players from you and say go get them with a 20, 20 player roster in a, in a twenty seven player league and so you just get after it and you go play and you, and, you, and you find out who can and and who can't and the the, the one thing that that for me in the in the game of baseball there's uh, baseball players, real baseball players, have different skill sets and different tool sets, and and and, and they've played different places uh, on the baseball field throughout their career, and 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 so all the way back to to little league to to junior high, high school, and college, you're asked to to, to do different things, and so in in managing this game and, and players. Um, there is also I like to talk about truth versus tradition, and in traditional baseball, there's you know we get this thing where you can't oh you're not supposed to do that, can't do that. 
Well, the reason why uh, a lot of people don't do it is because they have to do this. They have to answer questions at the end of the day. Um, and for me, it's about winning baseball games. It's about being – sometimes you you got to go outside your comfort zone. you got to be asked to do certain things. And um, I don't think of them as being crazy or too far outside the box. It's about trying to uh, add value in a game so that we can win baseball games. And so I'm not – I try not to get stuck in, in, in a situation where I'm just – uh, sitting over there going, okay, you know, uh, this is the only way we're going to do it. This is the only way we can do it. And you you get beat doing that. Guess what? You haven't given your guys an opportunity to do everything they possibly can do. What is the, what is the most radical, radical, for lack of a better word, move you think you've made in your career in the minor leagues? What? Or here. I mean, is, is, if one of the moves yeah. this year is most radical – well, I, I would say that, I mean, I, you can look at Napoli and left field being probably um, the most radical. Uh, the no rolls bullpen, uh, which really that's, I think every manager probably desires to, to do that at some point in, in their career. Um, but few do it. Um, Walking the bases loaded with my closer. Yeah. So uh, I mean, there's um, there's a few. Uh, you know, I, I I'm sure there have been a few people who left their closer in on Saturday all the way through. Uh, but you know, for me, it was, I mean, I don't look at them as radical moves. I just look at them as moves that um, they're 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 well thought out. Um, and they're not traditional. They're against the grain. Yeah, they're they're against what what normal game strategy uh, is done. If everybody used normal game strategy every game, be boring game. Be boring it? game, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so how did you go? To, how did you approach Napoli about that? Uh, we had when we first got him, and uh, we had really talked to him about playing uh, or catching again. Really? Oh, yeah. And we put him through uh, the catching drills and see if he could if he could do it. And he was all in. Um, and then me and that coaching staff, just we sat there and we knew that there was a need in left field. And we watched Nap move around and felt like, hey, you know what, he's, he's a good enough athlete. He can move around. Let's take him out to left field, start hitting him fly balls. And we just went to him and said, hey, Nap, here's the deal. We got some left-handed hitters that can still hit left-handed pitching pretty good, and we've got a we've got a, a need, and that need right now is in left field because we have a, a a big left-handed hitter on the on the shelf over there that can't play right now, and uh, there was kind of a hole. Some guys that weren't really performing; they were being challenged in left field. We had tried a, a couple of guys out there. We were looking for some consistency and an ability to stretch our our lineup out and. And being the the guy that he is, um, he said, "Look, I'm I'll, I'll go out there. I'll give it a shot. Heck yeah, why not?" And, and so we had been working him out for quite a while out in left field before we actually put him out there. And and uh, I think we just got to the point to where we got tired of being tired of getting beat by left-handed pitching. So we we said, "Let's do this." And and um, he was all in. 
Not one time did he ever. Matter of fact, there was a couple times I took him out early. He gave me the furry eyeball and said, hey, why are you taking me out? <laughs> hey, you, I believe the other day you may have run this by us in one of your moments of, of great uh, verbiage, but said that uh, your greatest victories often follow your greatest challenges. Yes. So what was, this great, what was the greatest challenge for you with this club this year? <clears throat> April. Why? Because everything that, that we talked about was very rarely did it show up. Um, we talked about continuing to play, play all 27 outs, play hard all the way through, stay focused, show up. How you show up matters. It'll all pay off, continue. Um, and none of it was, was happening. None of it was paying off, and it, it really it was the only real bright spot in it at all that we could point to was that, that so many of those games that we lost – we had the winning run either at the plate or on base, uh, and the inning started with a closer. And then some of those later innings started without the closer, and uh, and we still made them bring their closer in by what we were doing at the plate. So uh, we 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 keyed on that, and the greatest challenge for us and this coaching staff was really just staying true to the same message um, and continuing to uh, get these guys individually uh, to buy in, to stay bought in, uh, and to stay focused. Because in this game of negativity, you can, you can lose focus in a hurry and you can lose buy-in in a hurry because the, 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 when things aren't going right, uh, but you had to gain buy-in as the season went on. Oh, you yeah. grew as a manager. Uh, yeah, oh no, I, I it, it, it was, and, and probably <clears throat> one of the greater lessons that, that that these group of guys taught me is as tough an individual as I believe I think I am, um, and open-minded can be critical but yet motivating um, and still have patience at the same time that it's okay to be impatient. It's okay to ask and demand for more when you think you have gotten all that you can out of a group of guys. That when you take them to the point where you shoved them all off the cliff, you got to go catch them and then shove them off again because that's what they need. Because just as, as I thought that I, had, I was as, as tough and as motivating as I could be, they let me know that they really truly needed more and that it was never ending and you can never stop. Was there, was there a buy-in guy you had to get to buy-in first? Was there a guy you looked around the clubhouse and said, if I can get him, I can get everybody else? Is that how it works? I, I don't look at it that way. I, I think really, I mean, they're all individual players. Um, there are leaders in, in, inside that, that clubhouse, and we have one real main leader as far as you want to 
and, and Adrian Beltre, and then there's probably a second tier of, of leaders. And um, but really, when you when you deal with uh, the team concept, and you and you're, you you're trying to develop leaders, and you're trying to create an atmosphere that there are leaders because there are uh, each one of those players they, they need somebody to look towards they need that guidance and they need that leadership from their peers and, and so um, I think the, some of that is because of uh, what they've put into the game and who they are but I believe others earn that also. So is, is there do you have to take a huge sigh of relief when Beltre is on board? Uh, you know what? I don't know if it's a sigh of relief. I, I, I mean, I look. I got great belief in in, in me too sure. uh, of being able to uh, present a, a message and a, and a philosophy and an ideology to to a a player, but also to a collective group of players. And and so it's nice to have uh, their captain on board. Uh, but it's all you know what the other part of that is what's really nice is to have their captain come to me and hey skip maybe we want to do this a little differently what do you think or hey skip can we the boys were thinking uh we'd like to 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 do this um but to have the relationship and because not all leaders are will walk in the manager's office and go hey uh, look let's do this let's do some let's do this a little bit differently uh, so, you know, his, his leadership has grown also. Uh, and so not only on the field, but, uh, inside that, inside that clubhouse. Before we wrap this up, I wanted to, one of the things that's really impressed me this year, cause I know how hard it is to get players, especially veteran players to maybe change their approach at the plate is, is that in the first inning, uh, the job y'all have done to convince them that if you're going to get a starter, now's the time to get him in that first inning before he really gets on track. How did you get those guys to buy into that? Yeah, it's a, it's probably one of one of the tougher challenges all, in all of baseball, really, because there's a lot of that 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 philosophy is, is normally uh, in, ingrained in in players in, in development system throughout the minor leagues, and it's and it's because it. Over in Pittsburgh, it t- it took us a long time. I mean, and, and we went through a number of hitting coordinators and hitting coaches. But um, I think more than anything else is just that as you see the success and you continue with the same message and you and, and guys start to see the success and understand the success and where it comes from, that's where the buy-in comes from. And that's where uh, guys start to pay attention to it. Uh, we, we we can show them. I mean, you can go down to basic uh, high scoring baseball. You can think about this that that the the percentages of and, and I, most players don't even think about this. I didn't think about it as a player. I mean, it, it, you 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 thought about your at bat, the pitches you got, and the plays you made, and you went on. But when you think about in, in scoring in baseball, is that <clears throat> one three run inning? In the game of baseball, your, your win percentage increases to about eighty-three to eighty-five percent. Um, you put a couple of those together, now you, you skyrocket that percentage even higher. So, and the only way that you can score three runs in one inning is very simple, because it's impossible to do it any other way. You got to get at least five hitters to the plate. Yeah, 
So the mentality of being able to get on base and pass the baton on to the next guy, and the reality is as you as you increase those that pitch count to be able to get that 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 fifth guy to the plate and beyond. Now that workload for that for that pitcher and you, you, you there's a beautiful article on Fangraphs you go look at it and I've had so many people show it to me about pitchers and the increased number of pitches and how the velocity doesn't really falter so much but it's the angle of the ball it's the it's the stress on each pitch the pitch is not as sharp so that fifth hitter that sixth hitter that fourth hitter that comes along They've got a greater chance of getting a better pitch to hit in those innings. So that mindset is, is as you move forward, and and you can show that to 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 your hitters, and then they can they can really see it. They can reach out and touch it, and they know what it what it looks like. I, that's where you get to buy it. All right, we got to let you go, but you got one last question to answer before you get out of here. Um, who would have closed Sunday? Well, we don't have to worry about that, do we? <laughs> I think I've heard that answer before. <laughs> yeah, I think I have too. But uh, thanks for joining us, and uh, good luck in this first round. Congratulations, too, uh, by the way. Guys, thank you, thank and you. thanks for having me. Thanks for, thanks for allowing us to have you. <laughs> you know, of all the interesting things he, he said just then, and, I, and I've sat through a few of his press conferences. Just uh, a few. I've just, sat through a lot. you sat through a lot. Uh, this was my first. I, I thought that the, the interesting thing to me was, as a revelation to me anyway, was that they did work it, uh, Mike Napoli out at catcher. I did not know they had any intentions whatsoever of trying him at catcher. They, uh, hey, they didn't have any real intention of trying him out at, at catcher. They worked him out there. They wanted to make sure that if they needed that possibility, that it was it was there. And fortunately, they didn't have to go that route because I don't know if Mike's – you know, he didn't say how he did <laughs> – no, he did not say catcher. that. We didn't push that. Um, but they were getting good performance from from Chris Jimenez, who's, who's done a really great job, and, and really good performance from Bobby Wilson as well. So if those two guys had not performed so well, though, do you maybe think you that have, Maybe you do get to that kind of Armageddon situation. You know, I mean, it, it certainly – nobody would have ever thought that you were going to see this guy playing left field at some point in time this year, and they went 9-2 and two with the guy in left field. It, everything that they tried to get out of Mike Napoli in left field, which was, okay – where he's there for the offense against a left-handed pitching to balance out the lineup more, to lengthen the lineup. We want to maximize those at-bats. We just heard Jeff talking about working at-bats and, 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 and working pitchers early in the game. They got all that. In addition, I think that they had their pitchers and they game-planned a little bit to try and keep the ball away from, from right-handed pull hitters as much as possible. Going, going forward, will we see Mike and Apple? No. Okay. No. So Unless something dramatic happens with Josh Hamilton. I, we won't see Mike Napoli in left field in Toronto. I don't think you'll see him here. Josh Hamilton is a full-time outfielder again, which to me is is, is a remarkable, and I think also a testament, because in, in Josh's first go-around with the Rangers, we all know that the injuries tended to linger and everything. This is a guy who had knee surgery three weeks ago, three and a half weeks ago. He's back playing every day. Took a tumble he's into running the wall. into running into walls. Yeah, now. Uh, and, and and he's 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 back and playing every day. So I think what they needed to get out of Napoli was they needed a jolt of offense against left-handed pitchers. They averaged, I think, it seven runs a game against left-handed pitchers in those eleven starts. They went nine and two in those starts. And they got him out of the lineup as soon as he had taken two or three at bats. Got a defensive guy out there, and that really bridged the gap. You know that that seven that that seven game over five hundred run. 
basically wins the division. For I don't him. know what his plus minus was out there. I know he gave up two runs. Gave up two runs, but and, let's. I mean, and, uh, but he but he, he was responsible for much more than that. Correct, absolutely. Yeah. And I, and it's, it's funny to me because you know when when that first happened out there, and he made his his first error out there, every Twitter just went crazy. People went nuts about him being out there. What a mistake! How do this you know was. you're never on Twitter? Hey, I, I look at it every once in a while just to see what the young kids are doing. <laughs> <laughs> what the youngsters are doing. What the grandkids are doing. Yeah. So so it, it was very interesting to me. You know, I didn't have a problem with it from the very beginning. Uh, I, the way I looked at it was, look, he's a major league baseball player. And, and, and maybe maybe he's going to make – he's not going to be really good out here, but how many balls is he going to get hit to him out here? And he could make a real difference. I thought when they signed him, it was a great pickup. I couldn't believe that the Rangers got him that easily. Oh, I thought it was a, I thought it was a good pickup. And I thought that uh, when they decided to put him out in left field, I didn't – I didn't really have any issues with it. The way I would, the way I would kind of sum it up is, it was a huge risk defensively. But they had gotten to a point where they had to take some risks, and the way they minimized all those risks and maximized the the, the potential benefits of having him out there, uh, it really worked in their favor. And this is again, like like you talked about with him, I think he is a guy who's willing to think outside the box in terms of traditional roles. And I, I really liked what he had to say about when you're in the minor leagues and you're a player development guy and you've got to just basically say, hey, tonight, go out there and play left field. And everybody's all for it because, hey, we're in the minor leagues. We're trying to get to the big leagues. Anything we can do, we're happy to do. And maybe he got those guys to buy in a little bit. Sure. To- well, if you have a great left fielder and then the big and they call you, they call from the major leagues, and he's gone, and, and you got you have nobody else. You you make moves. I thought that was a terrific point. Yeah. Well, you know, and he said that was funny when he said that about because sometimes they don't like to answer the questions. I don't think that uh, that Jeff always likes answering the questions either. Uh, <laughs> you know, based he on the, based like- on a couple of the replies I've gotten recently. So, but, but, like- but here's here's the thing. About- Friday night when I asked him about uh, after the after the game Friday night when. Tolleson lost the 1-1 game in the ninth inning. And it was clear that Tolleson had worked four days at that point in time and Dyson had worked four days. And, and I said to him at that point, um, so what is the state of your bullpen at this point? His response was, well, you don't need to worry about our bullpen. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a one-line answer. For him, a one-line answer is, is really telling you that he doesn't want to. He's not very happy with the question because he he likes to to uh, filibuster a little. Well, bit. I mean, I think he knew you know he knew it was an issue and and he knew that that that. Listen, I don't necessarily say that I I wouldn't have gone to those guys a fifth consecutive day. That that was the the bigger issue for me. I, I think you, you know all these guys had gone three days this year, and I think you're at that time of the season where sometimes you do, as he said, you have to push a little bit more, and that was necessary. The risk was, now, if you push him in that tie game, you don't win that game, then on Saturday you really are kind of having to bite the bullet. And they got very, I think they got very fortunate with the performance that Cole provided them on Sunday. Um, but I, I think that, too, we, we all talk about this, and I, and I said the same thing about, about, about Dyson going that many days in a row, about Tolleson going that many days in a row. But really, when you got right down to it, the, I don't think the choices were real, were real good. Keone Kella, I think they're they're trying to baby him a little bit at this I, point. I would I, I that think, might be I a, a harsh baby, term, yeah. but but they're being careful with it. They're him. being That's careful it. with it, and, and I think maybe that they are not as confident in Jake Diekman as they were early in the year and in his mechanics, and that he was going to be able to come in and throw strikes either. I, I think there's more. His mechanics are a little bit. Uh, 
what would be the right term? They're a little bit less refined than, than Dyson. Yeah. Askew. Yeah. Well, you know, that's just, well. These were the issues he had in Philadelphia. This right. is why they had problem with him. That's why he ended up with the Rangers to begin with. Here's a guy with well, a great what, arm. What issues did Dyson have in Miami? I want to know because he's been phenomenal. Well, you know, one of the things that I asked uh, Jeff that question earlier in the year, and and his response to me was that you know he didn't want to go into what they were weren't doing with him there. He said, but basically what they said to him was, listen, you got a 97 mile an hour sinker here. Why are you throwing the slider? You know, it's not to say he doesn't throw the slider occasionally, but the, the, the money pitch is the sinker. And sometimes these guys outthink themselves. It's but just, you will notice that on Saturday, when he, and he, he did a great job on Saturday getting out of that inning, but his, his fastball and, and off-speed pitch mix was closer to 50-50 than it had been at any point in time. Yeah, I, I think, you know, especially this time of year, not, now you're kind of bringing out everything you got, uh, especially if you're a little tired. If you're, you know, he, he was pitching without much, with no rest uh, as well. But I think that's, the, to me, it's a, it's a great thought in this game that sometimes, uh, you know, in, in any sport, in, in football and offense coordinator, wants to show you what a genius he is in all the plays, and when all you need to do is just run the ball here. You know, I think it's the same thing happens in baseball. The greatest reliever ever, Mariano Rivera, threw a cutter, you know, and that, that's what he did. He ran it in, he ran, he ran it yeah. into the left-handers, he ran it into right-handers. That's what he did. And he, and he knew that, and everybody knew it was coming, and they couldn't do anything about it. Let's look ahead for a minute. Talk, talk a little bit about the upcoming series. I, I really think that uh, – actually, I, and, and I should give credit where credit is due. I was listening to MLB radio yesterday, and um, they talked a little bit about winning game one. And if you can win game one against David Price, who this team has had success against, um, it may change the entire series on, on a number of levels. You've got Hamels going in game two. You may quiet that what I expect to be a very raucous Toronto crowd in game one. And obviously you've beaten the guy that they brought, they, they brought in to be, their, to be their ace. The, the challenge here is this team has had success against Price in the past, but David is a different pitcher this year. He is throwing much more... Uh, of the changeup, he's throwing off speed. He's throwing cutters, and, and this team struggles with that. Yeah, and, and he he was a very uh, he, he issued a very authored a very strong performance when he was here earlier. So, uh, if you can beat David Price in Game One, I think that as opposed to like most seven game series where Game Three might be the turning point, Game One might be the turning point. I, here. I do think though, if they come out of there with a split. Oh, oh, that's that's great. And then you did great. If you won one of the two up there, you're doing great. Uh, and and I think if they get that with Hamels, if they get that, I do. Obviously, if you if you beat Price, you always want to come out of the box sure. first. It's just like when we talked to you know to Jeff about uh, scoring in the first inning. You know, I, I think I think that does make a big difference. I don't know what the stats are. I'm I'm planning on looking that up as a matter of fact. Uh, no, you're not. You're, you're planning on asking me to look it up. There, I knew that was coming. Well, be better. Of, yeah, course, of course, yeah, absolutely. Well, that's what he's here for. Well, because it, you'll take an hour. He'll take three minutes. And, and, and that's we'll true. That makes more sense. We're sitting in the press box with Kevin having a, the big sheet of notes in front of him. And, hey, uh, what is so-and-so doing in such-and-such? And, such? and, and I'll say, well, let's see, Kevin. L let, me, let me get the notes right here, and let me show you in yellow highlight pen the stat. I just want to make sure that I'm not reading it incorrectly. You know, I, after your sinus medication incident, I, I can <laughs> yeah, believe that. that could be. Evan, you're chastising somebody about over-medicating themselves? I just want to make sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah, get that done right. But it is amazing to me that what, how well they do when, when they score early. And, and, that, and I think that does make such a huge difference uh, with this team. And, and I think that they, the, the fact that they, they seem to get that. Because, you know, we've seen this team for a long time hack away. Delino to Shields. 
has walked to lead off the first inning 13 times this year. Where does that stand in, in Major League Baseball? <coughs> I don't have that ranking. Yeah. But what I can tell you is the Rangers are 11-2 and two in those games, and they've scored 18 runs in the first inning in those games. And to his point, that's a lot of crooked numbers in first innings. And it leads to it leads to big game success, uh, and and so with the Shields up there taking a very patient approach in the leadoff spot, Chu who now has I think his refined approach back to where it was two years ago, and then you've got a good on base guy in Prince who who's you know he's a slugger and all of that, but he doesn't chase a whole bunch. You've got three guys at the very top of your order capable of making a pitcher work very early and I think that's been a big secret or secret that's been a big key to their offensive success and this is also one of the reasons why uh, John Daniels did what he did this is one of the reasons why he traded Ian Kinsler one of the reasons why he brought in Prince Fielder because of his power and his on-base percentage one of the reasons why he gave eight billion dollars to Shinsu Chu was because of that and because he wanted to have more guys in the lineup who were going to be more patient and have a higher on-base percentage smarter tougher at bats that's what he talked about Barry, you have a question? No, I think we're about ready to wrap up, I think. But I just want to know, last week you brought us John Daniels. This week, this week you brought us the manager. Who are you bringing us next week? Hoggy. God forbid. <laughs> uh, we'll work on that. Let's let's see what the situation is next week, and let's see what I can pull off. And then, In the meantime, before we sign off, I'll ask the two of you, oh. when are you going to bring anything? Hey, I brought Brad Sham last week. That was a different podcast entirely. Oh, when are we going to bring something to the baseball podcast? We bring it. Kevin brings it every day when he when he steps in behind the microphone. He gives it his all. Goodbye. <laughs> Good night, Barry. <laughs> Good night, Barry. Good night, everybody.